airflow. It's one of the most important factors that contribute to restaurant productivity, efficiency, and safety. From steakhouses to waffle houses, airflow keeps employees and customers cool and comfortable. And no other company does cool and comfortable like Big Ass Fans. For more than 20 years, Big Ass Fans have manufactured the biggest and boldest fans on the planet. Fans that combine breathtaking beauty with the most innovative of features. Visit BigAssFans.com to learn more. Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I'm talking with Mary Aragoni. She is the founder of Chicago-based Saigon Sisters. This Vietnamese concept has been around for about a decade, and it has three locations. And Mary dreams of becoming the Panda Express of Vietnamese food. But it's been a challenging path, and Mary has experienced the ups and downs that are so familiar to emerging restaurateurs. In this conversation, Mary and I talk about those challenges, how she's finding ways to become more efficient in her business model, how she's navigating the labor crisis, and what she thinks is the key to scaling a restaurant business. Before I jump into that conversation, remember there are many other ways you can engage with NRN's award-winning content. Not only can you subscribe to our monthly print edition and daily AM newsletter at nrn.com slash subscribe, but you can also subscribe to NRN's other podcast, Extra Serving, where our editors discuss the hot-button issues of the day and we share interviews with a wide variety of restaurant personalities. That includes this week's episode where I am joined by editors Leanne Zinsmeister and Holly Petri for a conversation on Chick-fil-A's express drive-through, Chipotle's brush with unionization, and the revolving door of restaurant CEOs. Plus, there is a great conversation between senior editor Ron Ruggles and Applebee's president John Sawinski. Finally, I am very excited to announce a new opportunity for the emerging restaurateurs among you. Our team at NRN is partnering up with Savory Fund and Black Box Intelligence to introduce the Emerging Restaurateur Live Learning Series. This is a six-month virtual learning series that is going to get really in the weeds on scaling a restaurant business. If you are a leader at an emerging brand, if, if you find yourself wearing a lot of hats in the day-to-day operation, if you're feeling overwhelmed by all of the challenges facing your business on your expansion journey, then you cannot miss this series. We'll have valuable expert insights, exclusive data, and in-depth perspectives from your restaurateur peers that will help you jumpstart your growth. The first session is coming up on July 19th, and you can register for that and future sessions at nrn.com slash live learning. Again, that's nrn.com slash live learning. Jumping now into my interview with Saigon Sisters founder, Mary Aragoni, which we recorded in Saigon Sisters last month. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my four takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. Mary, tell us first about Saigon Sisters. What's the story of this brand? Sure. Saigon Sisters is a brand that I created with my sister about 11 years ago. Um, out of really a craving for Vietnamese food that I couldn't find in Chicago downtown. Okay, so, and because uh, my background was in marketing and um, IT, and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, 
So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try and see where it takes me. So the French market was available for vendors to start this little food hall that you know they want to do. So I thought that's a low risk. So I started there and it became a huge success, a hit um, off, right off the bat. So I uh, basically continued doing it for 11 years. You know, it started out as a trying experiment, and now I, I'm kind of deep into the, <laughs> the industry. three locations, and is there a fourth opening? Are you? Um, I was going to open at the airport, okay. you know, and then um, another uh, location, but because of the pandemic, I have to halt that because gotcha. I did open a Thai concept. Oh, right. Yeah, Bang Chop Thai Kitchen is yeah. called that. So we had to close that and consolidate um, workforces okay. and menu and just um, kind of working smarter with what we have. So yeah. I kind of turn this kitchen into almost like a ghost kitchen for Thai food carry out delivery. Smart. So yeah, so it helped it helped a lot. And you still have that going? I still have that going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean the number one seller from the Vietnamese menu is pho mm -hmm. and Thai. Pho, uh, pho thai. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, and I can't, you know, like um, let go of that revenue, you know, yeah. so and it was um it was just perfect for the pandemic because people love that kind of food, you know, when, you know, they want to carry on delivery and stuff like that, that they can't cook at home. So, yeah, my model that was in the beginning was very high volume, high traffic, like the market in the hospital just got stopped. So then I had to change to carry on delivery like 60% with technology. So I, coming from a technology background, I was able to quickly convert, you know, to that um, using Toast. And then I um, just market the heck out of my customer database to let them know to support us, that we're here for them. And, you know, also reaching out to the essential workers at the hospital. So kind of do a lot of outreach just to keep my staff employed and also to um, just to help, you know, like I didn't want to shut down because my employees didn't want to shut down. So if they didn't want to work, then I probably will shut down, but everybody wanted to work. So yeah, yeah. And being at the hospital, it was essential. Like literally there was no restaurant around for them to eat, you know, so we're inside the hospital and we need to provide them sustenance, you know, so we only have two people there and we actually even donate food to the, um, the emergency COVID response center. We got people donating money for that. We got a GoFundMe for that. So it was really interesting what we can do just to keep people busy and employed and doing something, you know, good. So talking about that, I mean, right now everybody's talking about how hard it is to find good employees, mm -hmm. but then keeping employees, the labor issue is such a crisis right now. It's so you've seen the same thing. A lot, yeah. And what have you been able to do to get over it? Well, uh, constantly get people in a pipeline. I mean, it's going to be double labor costs. But, you know, people now want to have time off or they can't work, you know, because of this and that. You kind of have to be accommodating. And so you always have people to cover. And thank God I have three locations. So I have people that can cover different locations. So that's one thing. And like two different kitchens, three kitchens. So if something happened to this kitchen, I can't make this product, I can make it there, you know. So I kind of have that diverse, um, by, uh, what do you call it, uh, labor 
where I can duplicate things or cover for people. That's how I'm gonna operate now. Okay. Learning from Bang Chop, like you know, I was able to consolidate and do two cuisines in one kitchen. Mm. And and then the other thing is outsourcing mm. some stuff. Like I make this sauce that um, is so time consuming and more expensive because food cost has gone up higher. So I found. You know, a uh, manufacturer um, that said, I can do that for you for less price, and you can even sell it to other restaurants, and, and you don't have to make it. Oh, so, like you know, a thing yeah, or? yeah, yeah. So they, um, they created, they tasted the, what I made, and then they duplicate it, and they use less expensive ingredients, but it tastes so good and the same. And oh my gosh, that cut my labor. Like, that and, and, and the, the cost, because you know, we use fish sauce lot in Vietnamese and it tripled in price and they were able to do it with without the fish sauce but use anchovies extract which is a lot cheaper than fish sauce and and I'm able to buy like a whole year's worth of products without any price increase and you know without the labor so that was like you know aha moment for me like I can't I don't have to make a lot of things from scratch Mm -hmm. because that's labor-intensive you know do your customers even notice or do they care because that's it's mostly yeah. a customer thing like right right no we really. make sure that it's um we I mean we still do 80% scratch from scratch it's the 20% that we you know um, but that sauce in itself they don't notice that because we still flavor it when we cook with it you just don't pour it and stuff. so uh, I am going to hire more quality people more professional culinary minded willing to pay extra money for that because in the past you know we just anybody can go to Craigslist and you know get the job um, but those people now you know they they are shopping for a better rate somewhere you know like I heard there's two jobs to one person in this industry right now wow. so I yeah yeah it's two per person um, and uh, they are I can make more there and less work. I can make more there and less work. That's the theme, you know? What's amazing though is, you know, you said your labor costs have doubled, Uh your food costs have gone up, inflation is insane. But, you know, that idea of efficiency, which you're Mm -hmm. talking about, is getting less with more. I mean, think about technology available today. How much more today, these trends with technology and things are making it so that you can be more efficient. I mean, how, how are you looking at things like technology and ordering and all that other stuff to also get more out of less yeah I mean I you know would love to have um, some kind of tool that will tie sales data to production and ordering you know because right now I don't have that as a missing link I have to do that you know by manually Mm -hmm. but like I haven't even thinking of like doing inventory with your camera and take a picture and then know exactly how much and what you need to order, you know, and a shelving that has, you know, a place for it. Because as I'm reorganizing the kitchen and everything, I'm just like, this is, you know, I look over there, okay, I see that I need more because there's only a little bit left. And, you know, like it's that kind of thing where it's like organization. It's like, I'm sure Amazon has a solution for everything, you know, and they know what's in stock, out of stock. There's going to be a solution out there to help restaurant like ours to, to not have people spend an hour a week just to go and look at inventory and order you know stuff like that 
the yeah. problem scale? I mean, do you think it's just because the bigger businesses can afford technology like that? Uh-huh. Or? Um, I think technology can be more affordable now. You know, like I've been using this toast system, which is, you know, for 10 years. And, you know, big com- restaurant like Lettuce Entertainment is using to switch to them. And I've been using them for, you know, a long time. And I am pretty sure that as more people are using it, the, the cost is going to be lower. Um, but the benefits, the value, and the ease of use have to be there. There are like a couple of technologies that are thrown at me and I'm testing and trial, like, you know, checklists and this and that. I'm like, I don't know. It's like, you know, if they're, if my customer, I mean, my employees are not going to use it, you know, they like text better than an app and a checklist, you know, they don't like to download another app. It's not going to work. You know what I mean? It has to be something that they would use regularly, like their own text or whatever. So. So I did find a, a really cool technology that's called Shoko. Have you heard of them? No. They're great. They're free. A lot of these are free, like okay. schedule, everything. Then let's just try try out, you know, where it takes us. So Shoko is a really good example, and I kept giving them like more like, you should do this feature. You should do this feature. You know, like so we used to text or or call our vendor to order. Okay. So I need this, this, you know, whatever, and then we. Um, we would text us like if my manager or somebody texts on somebody new they would type something wrong and then they get the wrong product and it's very you know like manual so now with Shoko there's a guide order list okay and you know exactly what you want and you don't have to misspell or order the wrong thing and um, it's great because I you know, we go down and we say what we need. And we search. It's easy. It's an app, and we send it, and then our vendor gets it, and then we get delivery without having to do anything. You know, call, text like we used to. You don't have to call them anymore. So it's all this app, and I said, you know what? This is a great app. Like, why can't you turn it into an inventory sheet for me? You know, yeah. like if I put in a number, and then it spits out to order right. instead of me ordering. You know, and then so I have inventory and ordering in one tool and they like that idea they, they think they're gonna move in that direction the other thing that was good is because I have three locations you know I'm like why can't we use this as internal ordering you know because before they would call somebody and they would text somebody and then you know they would like look at the list now I can see it if my sous chef can see it and everybody can see it so we order internally and we know exactly products what's moving so it's easier to use and um, it's just things like that. Like I don't like a lot of tech spreadsheet paper. You know, I like something that is um, ease of use and um, can do more. You know, like I would love that to be like an inventory tool that you know we just go and type this in and it knows our parts and it spits out and says you gotta order this. Just find a developer, do it yourself, <laughs> and <laughs> right? become a millionaire. Oh yeah, right. Oh my God, that's my like. There's got to be a nugget in this business <laughs> of what it is, you know. Well, you're going to go walk McCormick this weekend and you probably find somebody. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I love technology. I really do. So I, um, I, there's a new technology that came through, um, but I'm too small for it because I thought, have you heard of that? Sunday? Mm-hmm. It's really cool. A Sunday, it started out like in Europe. Day. Yeah, like Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So they're in Europe and they have huge restaurant groups so it started from a restaurant and because you know patio and this and that right people are waiting for the server to come and pay and so what they did is really cool they combined qr code for menu with payment and reviews so when you 
do the you know QR code you see the menu and then you um, well you can't see the pictures or anything yet or read other reviews but you can look at the menu like that and then when you're ready to pay you can pay on your own okay and then you can split take checks and everything and the server doesn't even have to do anything and it connects to your POS system so the service say okay they paid already because you know tickets that and then they um, can leave a review and say hey you know it's great whatever and then you can push the review to your preference like Google or whatever it's a good review if it's a bad review it stays on there oh nice <laughs> I love it because I'm like I don't have to do QR code menu I don't have to you know do uh, automated you know payment mm -hmm. so they're creating something that I think is great for people with patios mm -hmm. and like huge restaurant where service have to run around and you know and as a customer I would love to do that myself like you know I'm ready to go but you know where's the server you know I'll just do it. so those things are really cool I really like that kind of stuff like efficiency and you know mm -hmm. um, find ways to improve like I, I always tell my team if you find some ideas that are better faster and cheaper I'm all ears <laughs> and right now they're throwing at you like free this free 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 you know so chocolate's free this is free you know those kind of things so almost overwhelming how much technology is out there today it's so uh, much yeah the better for you stepping back a little bit how would you define Chicago as a food town it's a very diverse and great food town mm. yeah I have friends from New York all over the world come in and they're like oh I love it here there's so many diversity and you know there's uh, different um, you know, cuisine. I mean, uh, Filipino food now is on a map, you know, in Chicago with a Michelin star restaurant called Kasama. And then we have, yeah, just like very um, uh, mixed, you know, we have big chain, big group, but a lot of in independent, but with a unique message, a unique concept. You know what I mean? Like, I have a friend that's going to start her Indian restaurant that is uniquely uh, regional to India like the Kerala region mm. so you know like that kind of specific food you know and um, so yeah it's, it's very creative and you know I just wish it's more affordable for all, some of us to to do that kind of business because you know rent is high labor is hard and yeah, we have to cut down menu because of production. That's the other thing. One way to, you know, with the workforce is I have to skinny down my menu yeah. to make it simpler mm -hmm. without a lot of labor, you know, with some of the dishes and get rid of stuff that's not making money. <laughs> so future-wise, do you want to bring that stuff back or are you getting a leaner, meaner Saigon sister uh -huh. that you want to grow more? Well, if I want to scale, mm -hmm. it's got to be the leaner, meaner. Um, with less workforce but more output you know sales per square foot sales per employee it needs to be that if I want to scale okay that's the only way that it will work um, but if I want to like keep my um, specialized full service with um, you know going for a Michelin star or James Beard or whatever then yeah then I have to concentrate all of my effort into one location because that model is so different than a scale of remote model. Yeah, it's very different. It's a lot of work. It's very specialized. It's um, a lot of marketing, a lot of PR, and yeah, it's harder. Yeah, it's definitely harder. You used to be, or maybe you still are, a hybrid model of service. Mm -hmm. Nighttime full service, daytime yeah. counter. Are you still doing that? Yes. Okay. Oh, no, no. We do all day service now. Oh, okay. So it's all day menu, full service. Wow. 
alcohol available, but not cocktails because we don't have a bartender in the morning. But uh, yeah, we, we switched this place to, during the pandemic, it's become a commissary for three locations, uh, carry out and delivery uh, central. We take everybody, uh, all the third party. Um, now we do a, a big catering business, it's starting to come back, and then full service. So with this 1,800 square feet, yeah, yeah, with a little walk-in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we order every day, and it's it's it's, it's yeah, it's uh, a challenge, but you know, it's we can handle it. It's just um, if business start to pick up double, triple, like pre-COVID, I don't think I can manage that in this location. Yeah, I would have to get a bigger kitchen or outsource more stuff, and I don't know, like making pho, you know, the soup. It's like eight hour ordeal, Whoa. and I only have two candy burner, so I have to do it three times a week. Whoa. You know, I have beef, chicken, and um, vegetarian. The beef is the one that takes the longest time. You gotta find somebody else to make that for you, like you found the sauce. Yeah, right. <laughs> I did find somebody in NRA show. Okay. He's in Houston, but there's a lot of hoop he has to pass with the FDA, right. so it took a while. It's gonna take a while. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. I would love that. But you know, pho is very tricky. Like you can't just buy it, heat it up and serve. Like you get, have to constantly monitor and taste it because when you heat it up and let it hot, it evaporates. So then it can get salty. So you have to constantly like, it's very, um, yeah, it's, it's harder, but it's doable. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if I just do pho and like two people, I can make money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because this town loves pho. <laughs> that's, yeah, that yeah, seems yeah. predictable of Americans with the Vietnamese <laughs> restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, if they're buying from you, then you'll take it. I would take it. I can do a little pho truck or, you know, yeah. whatever. So if I, I will, I, I can imagine like, you know, if I have to skinny down, skinny down, skinny down, because the pho is the cheapest thing mm. in terms of it's bone broth, mm. you know, really. And um, the meat is more expensive now, but it's not like a lot of meat. So it's a very profitable product. Five years from now, where do you hope Saigon Sisters to be? What kind of business will you be? Yeah, well, you know, my whole goal was to scale, you know, and bring Vietnamese food to the mainstream market and have it at hospitals, airports, and all over the, the world, if I can, and then just get it to the Panda Express level, you know? Because, um, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do that myself, but I would love to have um, a really good partnership or equity company or, you know, somebody to kind of help me figure out how to scale it um, and, and make it at that level. So, yeah. What is, what's the biggest Vietnamese chain? Right now, I would say in, in California, okay. there's a thing called Lee's, Lee's Sandwich. L-E-E, oh, yeah, yeah. apostrophe S, Sandwich. Sure. So they are, I think they try to franchise. For some reason, um, I think few models try to franchise and it didn't work because I think it's because it's kind of complicated, yeah. you know? The it's, quality is a little bit Yeah, higher. and the ingredients, the process is, is complicated. Like I want to be kind of practical on that. Like I want to be kind of best in class on how to do that. Like you had, you can do this anywhere as long as you have a really good bread maker, like you don't have to make your own bread or 
you can if you become Jimmy John, you know. Yeah. And it's really, you know, four meats, three sauces, make into, you know, five different vessels, you know. So if I can perfect that, I can commissary those things. Those are not hard to do, you know, and then get it out to the other um, locations. Uh, the pho is also that way, but, you know, I would love to um, not have to make it per area location because it needs a hood and it's a lot of process. Yeah. Like maybe, yeah, like send them the broth or frozen broth. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mary, I won't keep you much longer. Thank you for that. That was awesome. That was my interview with Saigon Sisters founder, Mary Aragoni. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my four takeaways. My first takeaway is that no matter your need, you should constantly fill your labor pipeline. As Mary discussed, and I'm sure many of you are feeling in your own restaurants, these days employees expect to be able to take time off for random things. Maybe they have to go take uh, care of family matters, or maybe they want a vacation. And you have to be accommodating, especially with your quality employees. These days, employees have more of the lever leverage than employers. But you have to have somebody who can cover their shifts. And so Mary talked about how she's constantly filling her labor pipeline to make sure she's got people available to cover shifts if other folks need to take time off or who disappear and their shift needs to be covered. Of course, this makes your labor costs a lot higher, but you are prepared for anything if you keep that labor pipeline filled. My second takeaway is that in this challenging labor climate, consider how you can outsource some of your work. For Mary, this was finding a manufacturer to uh, produce one of her signature sauces that she talked about being really time-consuming to make. This manufacturer also found a way to make it more cheaply without sacrificing flavor. So that has been key for Mary to really um, change her labor model and redeploy her labor so that they're not focused on this really time-consuming sauce. And she's looking at other ways that she can outsource some of this high maintenance work so that she can focus on some of the basics. Think about ways that you can outsource your own work in your restaurant without sacrificing that quality. My third takeaway is that emerging operators today need better, faster, and cheaper tools to run their businesses more efficiently, and that's a great opportunity for tech companies. Mary and I talked at length about some of the challenges out there today that can be tackled with technology, but how that is often cost prohibitive without scale. Mary has a lot of ideas about how tech can be adapted into her business and how she can leverage tech to really become more efficient and save money. But it's really all about finding that right partner who's willing to, uh, you know, who's willing to partner with a small scale business such as Saigon Sisters. A lot of you are probably not in your head right now. You're probably facing that same issue where it's really difficult to find that tech partner. But with technology becoming more and more accessible, I have to imagine that tech companies are going to be interested in getting their platforms out to every restaurant business possible because who knows, a Saigon Sisters, if Mary can become the Panda Express of Vietnamese food as she wants to be, a tech company that gets on at the ground floor with her is going to be able to ride that wave. So finding ways for tech companies to make their products more affordable and accessible to emerging brands is a win-win for everybody. 
My fourth and final takeaway is that if you want to scale your business, you need to figure out how to have more output with less work. Efficiency is key as you grow. You've got to get more sales per square foot if this is going to be something that you can take into new neighborhoods and into new communities. This is something that, of course, you're probably thinking about a lot uh, these days, but, um, but it's important to reiterate. Efficiency is what you should be focused on right now if you want to scale your business. And, um, you know, there's a lot of tools out there to help you do that, but it's finding the right tools and the right partners to help you get more with less out of your business. That's what you should be focused on on. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okis at informa.com. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week.